sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And we're at the midway point of our week, which means it's time to help you out with some adding and dropping in fantasy football. Welcome to our show, SportsGrid.com's Fantasy Sports Today. I'm Craig Nish, and along with Joe Pizzapia, we got you covered for the next two hours, going through it all. Fantasy, reality, injuries, of course, and fantasy as well. But Joe, we would be remiss if we didn't mention the top story tonight, which is, of course, the NBA draft. A lot of trades, a lot of fast and furious moving by a lot of teams, including Mm -hmm. the New York Knicks moving up in the draft as well. So there'll be a lot to cover tonight, and I think there'll be a lot of awareness of the new players who are drafted tonight as well. So good afternoon. Yes, good afternoon. A very weird confluence of events here. We get uh, NBA free agency, NBA trade deadline stuff, and the draft. Everything's kind of converging at one time. It's really kind of fun because of where everything ended up falling because of the postponed and then later completed season. So some fascinating stuff going on in the NBA. A lot of movement. It's kind of captured us, I would say, the last couple of days. And there's been a ton of movement in terms of players. So it should be a fun draft tonight. And who knows what the next few hours will hold in store for us as well. But it's also the first draft that we're going to have without seeing a tournament, without seeing the college basketball season play out previously. So we're kind of in some weird territories because a lot of the top players, we had some that played abroad. We had some that were uh, obviously huge pieces here, huge talents, but we didn't see them on that grand stage. So this is really fascinating. This is a first, and I think uh, really warrants all the attention it's getting in terms of this NBA draft being incredibly unique compared to others. Yeah, I think the first few picks, and we'll talk about this, would have been the first few picks no matter what would have happened in in the uh, in the tournament or in the conference tournaments. But it's really that late first round and second round mm-hmm. kids where sometimes guys shine that can move up a little bit that didn't get an opportunity to happen. So uh, some of us are definitely playing at a loss here going into the draft tonight, but FanDuel has put out odds, and we'll go through those coming up in just a few minutes, so stay tuned. All right, let's get to our headlines here on this Wednesday. The Mac definitely delivered a couple of unbelievable performances last night. Jared Patterson of Buffalo rushed for over 300 yards in a Tuesday night football game. That was incredible. Not to be outdone, Joe's favorite quarterback in college football, Dustin Crum, had another huge night as well. What were Crum's numbers at the half? I'd love to tell you. 17 passes. 17 completions, 300 yards, and two touchdowns as Kent State went on to win by 35 and cover the 25-point spread. The Rams have a player testing positive for COVID-19, so we're following that bouncing ball as it goes. Trevor Lawrence is set to come back Saturday very early against Florida State. As we mentioned, the NBA draft is tonight. And the NBA postseason looks like it's going to feature some more play-in games for the 2021 season. The 7th and 8th seed will play for the 7th seed. The ninth and the 10th will play to face the the right to play the loser. I I think essentially what this means, Joe, is that the bubble was so successful, especially in the early part of when basketball Mm -hmm. came back. Now, I know overall the NBA ratings were down, uh, and I don't really understand what the reasoning was for that because now it's very clear anybody who said that it was anything political, I mean, take a look at the Masters ratings. They were the lowest they've ever been in the history of the Masters. Mm -hmm. So uh, I guess it was just sports overload at the time that it got to the end in the bubble. But at the very beginning, it was exciting. And to see those performances going back and forth and even in the mid-rounds with Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray, that was exciting as well. So, uh, you know, kind of more intrigue, I think, more elimination games. That's what the NBA is trying to create. And it makes up for not having the full 82-game season and having the 72 instead. 
Yeah, I kind of agree. I think it was more the overload of everything happening at once. You had baseball, you had football, you had NBA, people not knowing what to watch where. Plus, you also had fall television back at the same time. So there there was a lot of things going on there at specific times here at the end of the NBA season. And I don't want to put the political stuff necessarily at the top of that list of why ratings were down. I think it was overload. Also, people dealing with a lot of real life issues. But not not be uh, the story as well, because we had a lot of people out of work, a lot of businesses, a lot of stress, a lot of people picking up extra jobs and extra things, trying to make ends meet. So I think that's kind of the reason you've seen a lot of ratings kind of fluctuate in weird places here. And it's not just uh, with the sports. It's also sports entertainment, too. The wrestling ratings have uh, gone up and down uh, oddly at certain times as well. So I think, look, I think the NBA, you're right. I think they saw the bubble work. I think that's certainly something they're looking forward to. Uh, I also think this NBA draft is going to be fascinating because, like you said, what how do the scouting departments of these certain NBA teams now find this other talent that they were waiting to see develop as the season went on here in the college basketball? And and uh, the, obviously the teams that have the better college scouting departments are probably going to be the ones that find some value here in the NBA draft. So I think there's a lot to unpack there. Also in the NFL, we've got some big injuries too with some quarterbacks, not just Drew Brees. We've also got Matthew Stafford dealing with a ligament issue in his thumb that he's trying to play through. We've got Teddy Bridgewater with a slight MCL sprain. He's trying to play through. So there's a lot of things going on here in sports today. We're going to break it all down for you and do some fantasy, do some reality, do everything in between. But Craig, both of those quarterbacks right now, kind of looking like question marks, but both these guys trying to soldier through injuries. Do you give them a chance to both play this weekend? I mean, Detroit probably feels like they're still in it. So I think that if Stafford can play, he will. And and in terms of Carolina, I would be worried about Teddy Bridgewater. Now, they have no viable backup there. Well, I mean, I guess we'll find out. I believe they have somebody from the Arena League or, or AAF, one of, the, one of those two, I'm not sure. But Carolina did not go into the season – basically with a great backup plan. So they're going to have to roll with whoever they have. And I don't think that it really matters to them. Again, I I feel like they overachieved already to this point. Their coaching staff looks good. Their player personnel looks good. They're on the way to good things. This may be a two-year rebuild for them as opposed to three or four like some other teams. But for Detroit's perspective, look, even though they're on the outside looking in, there's still a lot of season for them yet to be played and nine wins gets you in and they're still could very much get to nine wins. They're going to have to win some games here, which they never do, but they can. I mean, the games are out there to win. They're on the schedule. So I I would expect him to play. And then also we got news this morning that Drew Locke seems to be okay and may be able to play this week, which is honestly bad news for him because if I was him, I would not want to play. That team is just (laughs) awful and run just so poorly. Terrible play calling. Um, NBA draft odds from FanDuel coming up next. Your heart's racing. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. All eyes on SportsGrid tonight will be on the NBA Draft. We'll have coverage for you here on In Game Live tonight. Just make sure you stay on the grid. SportsGrid, SportsGrid.com on our YouTube page. I'm sure we'll have pick-by-pick analysis, everyone involved tonight in doing the show. And really, it speaks more, I think, Joe, to the future of what we can expect in the NBA. Very similar to Major League Baseball in the sense that in the NBA, guys are just more prepared now coming out of college. Mm -hmm. They're only playing one year, and they look like superstars almost right out of the gate. 
And I think that will be the case with the first few picks in the draft. And then, as always, there'll be some players that won't get taken high that we'll find out a little bit later on. But I certainly am interested tonight and to see where players end up. And also, it's fascinating to see so many teams trying to move up in the draft and trading superstars away really on the eve of this thing. So who knows? By the end of the night, James Harden could be on a different team. Russell Westbrook could be. On a different team, we already saw Chris Paul move. You talk about three mm-hmm. players potentially in the Basketball Hall of Fame. So uh, I'll be yeah. interested to see what happens. Yeah, absolutely. And the coverage here on the network of the NFL draft was so good. So if you missed that, don't make the same mistake twice. Make sure you stick around for the NBA draft coverage we're going to do tonight here on the network because uh, we did a fantastic job, I thought, as a network. It was a great way to watch the NBA draft or watch it along as a companion. You, know, you can watch on your phone at the same time when you're watching the actual draft and get the breakdown analysis, too, because we give a different kind of spin here that you're going to get from the other coverage. And I think that's what makes us unique here at SportsGrid, too. And you mentioned about these guys being more ready. I absolutely agree with that, especially with these first three picks, too, from everything that I've read and seen so far. I watched a little of the NBA draft coverage this morning here, and uh, this first guy, too, Anthony Edwards, who seems like the consensus number one. Talk about a frame that's ready. I mean, this guy's built like a, an NFL running back, for God's sakes. He is more of a body type that you see out of a, a player who's six or seven years into the league. You don't always get that with some of the younger players, and he's clearly at the top for a reason. Some questions about the defense I know I've heard, too. Some of the concentration level there. Also, some of the shot selection I've heard. Some questions about him, but nobody can deny the body frame, the talent, and the upside of Anthony Edwards, and he's obviously at the top for a reason. Yeah, I mean, I can't sit here and pretend that I've seen all these guys play because I have not. But uh, Edwards mm-hmm. played at Georgia, so I saw him play against Florida, and that's pretty much it. But I would expect him to be the first pick overall tonight. Let's take a look at FanDuel's odds. He's minus 135. If it's not him, it's probably going to be LaMelo Ball, who is supposedly a better version of his brother. We'll see if that's the case. James Wiseman is definitely going to be pick one, two, or three. So he will be at 6-1, to one, and then it is uncharted territory for me at that point because uh, the other two names that you see there, I know the names only from being in the draft, don't know a lot about them. Uh, Danny Avija, who is, uh, I think it's, is it 10-1 to one or is it 100-1 to one here? I can't even see. 10-1? to one? Uh, <laughs> Anyway, and Obi, Obi Toppin is after that. Uh, look, here, here, is, here is the reality of where I stand in the NBA draft tonight. If they played in the SEC, in all likelihood, I know who they are. If they played in the ACC, in all likelihood, I know who they are. And I feel bad for our producer, Brett Levy, who knows all these guys. I mean, he is a lot more educated to be able to talk about this than you or I. But for me, the most interesting the most interesting pick for me is the only one that uh, you know kind of hits close to home for me. Because for two, uh, two years in a row, this year, and, and I believe either next year or the year after that, there's going to be a kid named Scotty Barnes who's going to get drafted in the NBA uh, and also, he'll go along with Vernon Carey Jr. Now, if his name sounds familiar, Vernon Carey was an offensive lineman for the Miami Dolphins. And so this is his son, Vernon Carey Jr. And the reason why I know Vernon Carey Jr. is because he went to school where my kids go to school at NSU. So I had a chance to see him uh, play in person in basketball, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as dominant as any you could imagine high school basketball right. player could be. Uh, you know, picking up and dropping off my kids at school, uh, <laughs> seeing uh, seeing him there and being in the car line to pick up my kids at school and getting out of the car and taking a picture with Tom Izzo from Michigan State, who at the time was there to visit Vernon Carey Jr. Now, he ended up picking Duke and played one season at Duke. And I, I would say that Vernon Carey Jr. was good at Duke, but there's some thought that he probably could have been a little bit better. So he's not going to go in the first 10 picks, I don't think, of tonight's draft. He's somewhere maybe in the later first round. 
But between him and seeing Wiseman and Edwards play a lot, those are the three names that I'm most interested in. And unfortunately for me, when it gets into the later first round and into the second round, it is simply just about seeing which teams get the players that have a fit and then going into the year and seeing what they become, because that's as far as I can go with it tonight. Yeah, well, look, you, you hear a lot of comps thrown around here. Weissman has a comp for Chris Bosch. I've heard that a lot. And seeing some of the film and some of the footage of the highlights there, I can certainly see where people are going with that one. A lot of people think that Obi Toppin is the most NBA-ready, quote-unquote, in terms of his game. But you're right. I think what happens in the NBA draft, the MLB draft, all the drafts, you know, even the NFL to a, a great degree. You know, you get people that had good college careers, and then they get into the right spot with the right coaching and the right system in the professional level, and they take off into that next where we go, oh, my God, I never saw this coming. Couldn't believe this happened, right, with this guy who was a good college player and became a great professional player. And that can certainly happen, too. There's sometimes the guys get recruited into systems that don't necessarily fit. They want the talent of the guy, but then they realize they get him in that college system that has had great success and doesn't always exactly jive. And then they either transfer or they end up somewhere else, or they end up eventually getting taken, the NBAs you're alluding to, and maybe have better careers than people realize. And I think that is going to be the fascinating thing to come out tonight, too, and whether or not, too, we have – uh, this other player who a lot of people are going to say is the next, you know, Luka Doncic. I and mean, I don't know if that's the case. And I think that's always tough when you see these comps thrown on these kids. If he's the next this, he's the next that. You know, sometimes people are just the next good player in the NBA, not always the next great player in the NBA. And I think it's great to look at what a guy's upside could potentially be. But you also have to recognize maybe what the downside is, too. But I think with these first few picks, I agree. It seems like these these five guys seem to be in different orders. The lock. And it's been a while since Minnesota's had a number one overall pick. Last time was Carl Anthony Towns, and they got that one right. So hopefully they're going to get this one right as well with Anthony Edwards. Yeah, my advice is don't don't take a single word that I say and bet anything based on what I'm saying on the NBA draft tonight. Any, anything else, <laughs> anything else that I give you here on the show would be better than betting on my advice on the NBA draft tonight. I am just being one thousand percent transparent. Mm-hmm. Maybe any other show here on this on this channel probably better than me. Uh, but let's take a look at the odds regardless. Second overall pick in the, in the draft, uh, Wiseman is minus one seventy. Edwards is plus one ninety four. And LaMelo Ball is plus 290. And then also let's move on from that to just the first over the first to be drafted between Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball. Edwards is minus 138, LaMelo Ball uh, plus 108. So, uh, you know, there's some great opportunities there over at FanDuel. That's what I would recommend if you're having fun with it tonight to go into it and, and potentially put something down there. In terms of what you mentioned with Luca, uh, you know, that's the other part that makes the the draft so interesting is that, and you go back to when Giannis was taken too. Usually there's going to be a couple, more than a couple, a few international players that are taken in the first 20 picks, and then you almost don't hear for them for the first year. And then all Mm -hmm. of a sudden in that second year, they become superstars in the NBA. So that's the one other part for me that's fascinating is to see those players get taken and know, hey, look, they're probably going to average five points a game in their first year, six points. And then all of a sudden they become superstars. So we'll see there. Also, Gonzaga, I believe Killian is going to be taken in the first uh, the first round. And, I, and, I, and that was really a shame last year for the tournament to get whacked because Gonzaga had a great shot, I think, to win. Yeah. Maybe he'll be a first pick there. So, um, yeah, it was, it was basically the strangest thing ever, seeing the pandemic take hold in March at the ACC tournament with, with players on the floor getting ready to play and them yeah. just basically saying that, uh, you know, you're done. You're not gonna. You're not gonna. Uh, you're not gonna have a tournament. So it, it seems was bad. so long ago, doesn't it? Seem long ago. I mean, it was like ages. Yeah, it, ago, it was it sad. Was it, was, it was no fun. But I would tell you that 
you know, that's just part of the game, man. Like it's just every sport went through it and college basketball went through it too. I'm confident that they're going to be able to get a college basketball season in and play it. But I also have to tell you, I mean, two more college football games were, were postponed or canceled today. You know, we're seeing a lot of this, a lot of rising in cases again, and I'm not that guy that wants to do that here on this show. But any futures bets that you're making in college basketball, you absolutely have to understand that this is going to be a season like no other, very similar to the NFL where players are in, they're out. You don't know if they're going to play or not. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with having a little fun. We all have a little bit of discretionary income. And for things like the NBA draft, college basketball, and, and the NCAA tournament, Maybe take five, ten percent of, of your bankroll and, and you know move it around a little bit and find a couple of things that you like because beyond that, it's a lot of risk involved this year for sure. All right, take a quick break. We got the update coming up next, and then uh, Benny Richard is going to join us and do downs with Joe. What happens in the Seattle game tomorrow against Arizona? We'll say next. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. And it's Wednesday, and that means... My brother from another mother. We might even be related. It's very possible. My Italian stallion buddy, the one, the only Benny Ricciardi joins us from fade the noise to talk a little four downs. Benny it was a fun week of football and uh, we might've had a little leapfrog action there at the NFL MVP odds as Josh Allen falls behind Kyler Murray. Now, and all of a sudden things are getting real interesting. Hey, we talked about Kyler last week, right? Number one fantasy quarterback up to this point in the season. The guy's been amazing. He absolutely has. And he's got a great matchup Thursday night. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. Cause I know you and I want to break down this one quite a bit. It is the Arizona Cardinals Thursday night, short week against the Seattle Seahawks. Now the Seahawks are still at home favored by three and a half. The over under for this game is 57 and a half. So obviously points are anticipating this one. We all know the Seattle defense has been historically awful. I get that, but it is a short week. So where do you stand now with this game with all the turnovers recently of Russell Wilson, the injuries to the running game, where are the Seahawks at and where are the Cardinals at and what has your attention in this contest Thursday? So Joe, this is the easiest game to be a fantasy analyst for. You just play everybody. <laughs> play everybody. Doesn't matter what side, doesn't matter what team, everybody's in play in this game, right? So you look at this game. Here's the thing that really has my attention and also why I love it for fantasy, too. Like, I, I'm upset that this game is on a Thursday because we don't yeah. get to use guys for DFS on, you know, on Sunday. But the last three games for the Cardinals here, 71, 62, 65 were the totals of the last three games for them. The Seahawks on the season, averaging 34, giving up 30. So both of these teams lately have basically been playing games in the 60s. You know, the Seahawks didn't their last game, but they played uh, the Rams. And the Rams are basically one of the few teams in the league who's consistently see totals that are under 50 because they have a good defense. They pound the run a lot. They keep it, you know, a little bit slower on the offensive side of the ball. I, I basically throw that game out when you're looking at that game for Seattle. I think there's so much fantasy goodness that's going to happen here. The last time these two teams played, it was 30, what, 37, 34. Yeah. Um, the Cardinals wound up winning that one. Like, this game is amazing. If you're if you have any of these guys for fantasy, you play them. If you're playing the Thursday night showdown over on FanDuel, you, you know 
it's going to be tough to fit all the studs in that you want. You can't fit everybody into your lineup. So you're going to have to figure out who to play, who not to. But I think there's just so many points that are going to be scored here. I like the over 57 and a half is not enough points in this game. I will say this though. I have no lean on either side of this game. I, I, this could go either way. I have no idea who's going to win it. The one thing I do know is the scoreboard is going to get a workout. All right. So the scoreboard getting a workout. Let's even get some fan to work out too. If you had to approach this in the showdown, who's your one and a half X guy. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm going Kyler. He, he's the number one quarterback mm-hmm. in all fantasy right now. You know, the rushing yards are just so big with the quarterback. We talk about it all the time. I mean, if you've yeah. got a guy who can rush for 60, 70 yards at the quarterback spot, which is really kind of what he's been doing, like around 60 yards a game has been what he's been putting up lately. I mean, you know, that's the equivalent of, you know, what do you get? Six, you get six fantasy points for that. That's the equivalent mm-hmm. of throwing for an extra hundred yards. Right. Yeah. And, and and to me, Kyler's the guy, too, that controls so much of his own scoring, which is so great. You know, everything in there is going to go through him, whether it's him rushing the football, him rushing touchdowns, whether it's him throwing for a touchdown. I mean, every score is basically somehow connected to Kyler Murray. It's very rare you get that one off Kenyon Drake touchdown or that, that one off. You know, he turns around the hands into to a Jay Simmons or someone like that. So I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm bummed that this isn't on Sunday because this is the one that I'd like to see. But at least we get to isolate it. It's going to be fascinating, too, with the short week how that impacts these teams right now, especially Seattle, because I feel like Seattle is, is hit that middle of the season. They've hit that middle patch where they've been struggling a little bit. And this is either going to be a turnaround game for them, or I think possibly a a game where they start to fall into the descent a little bit, which is really dangerous. So they kind of need this game more. I feel like than Arizona, but I said that last week against the Rams, I thought they needed that game more and they didn't come up uh, with a W there either. Let's move on to second down here. Let's talk about the Miami dolphins and Tua. Three uh, point favorites at Denver this week. Denver obviously offensively did not show up. Drew Locke was throwing the ball a lot to the other team. That's not something you're going to do to uh, win football games very much. Over under in this one's 45 and a half. So take me through this one for you because uh, Tua's getting wins. You have Lockman now in the backfield. He looked pretty sharp. You moved on from Jordan Howard. So Miami's kind of changing the dynamic of this team and this roster kind of midseason. It's kind of fascinating. You don't see that happen very much and continuing to win games. Yeah, the continuing to win game things is the important stuff. They've won five games in a row right now, Miami. And all right, the first ones were against a banged up San Francisco team. Whatever. They beat the New York Jets. Also, whatever. Um, but then it, you know, it is what it is. We'll get to the Jets a little more in a minute. I, I get to rant about my team in a minute here. Um, but I mean, they beat the Chargers. They beat the the Rams. Like those are some pretty good wins. Those are those are teams that you could actually play. Those are teams that I actually think are better than Denver. So I give them a lot of credit for those wins. You mentioned the offense for Denver not showing up. The problem that I have with Denver right now is the defense isn't showing up either. The last four games that they played, 43, 30, 34, 37 points they've allowed. That is not the Denver defense that we think of. They are still a top defense in the league, but they're giving up a lot of points. Maybe it's a function of the turnovers. Maybe it's a function of you know just being out on the field too much because the offense isn't getting anything going. But you know Miami looks good on both sides of the ball right now. I actually have them basically knocking on the door in my power rankings of being a top 10 team, which I never thought I was going to say this year. No. And you know what? They've been good on special teams too. Let's call it what it is too. Not just with Jakeem Grant, but they're blocking punts. They're blocking kicks. I mean, they're getting it done on all three sides of the ball, which I think, and I think that's the biggest reason to me because you look at a team like Tennessee, right? They, They are a good offensive team that played better defensively, but they've been struggling mightily all year, kicking field goals, punting, all that stuff. All the special teams have been a disaster. And the margin of error is so small in the NFL, especially this time of year, where that can really break you. When Miami's doing well there, 
they're getting all of those breaks go their way. Um, all right, let's do a third down here. Cause I know you got two games that you want to tease. So that's, that's as much tease as I'm going to do for this one. I'm going to step away and let you take it right through this because you see these lines as having a little bit of a, a play here that you want to go for it. So take us through these two games. Cause you got Cincinnati and Washington and the jets and the Los Angeles chargers, Benny. So how do you see these two? Yeah, so, I mean, this is real simple. The Jets and the Redskins are the two worst offenses in the league, DVOA. They're ranked 31st and 32nd right now. So, basically, what I want to do is I want to make it easier for the teams playing against them to cover and beat them. So, you have the, let's see, the Chargers are playing the Jets in this one. The number on this game is 8.5. So, if you can tease it with six points, you get it down to 2.5. So, you cross two key numbers that we're always interested in crossing. The seven right. if they win by a touchdown and the three if they win by a field goal. Mm-hmm. So by crossing those two numbers, you're giving yourself a much better chance for this bet to pay off. So that's why I'm on the Chargers side. Plus, they play the Jets, my favorite team. The Jets suck. <laughs> you know? so hey, I'm they gonna- didn't lose last week. Hey, you know what? The one thing, too, about the Chargers. I mean, you look at all the Chargers scores. All the Chargers scores are seven points or less, basically every game they play. So I don't want to lay eight and a half points to get a piece of playing against my Jets this week. You lower that down to two and a half, though, on a tease, it's a nice number. And then on the other side, I actually have Cincinnati favored in my power rankings against Washington, even with Washington being home and getting the home field advantage there. For whatever reason, FanDuel has Cincinnati getting one and a half points here. So again, when you add the six for the teaser, we're getting up through the three, we're getting up through the seven. seven. You get that game at seven and a half. So as long as they don't lose by more than a field goal, I mean, as long as they don't lose by more than a touchdown, you're going to be good there. And I actually think Cincinnati can go out there and win this game against Washington. The only other time the Redskins were favored was against the Giants about two or three weeks ago, and they lost that game. So I'm never taking the Redskins as a favorite. And if you're going to let me add points on top of them getting points, to me, that's a lock. Now, for people who don't do this as often maybe as they should, are you somebody who does this with games on a weekly basis? Or are you looking specifically for a matchup here and there to do this tease, to get past the three and the seven, as you're talking about, because I think there's still a lot of people out there who are, let's be honest, relatively new to sports wagering, relatively new to some of these things. So they understand how it works, but then there's little finer points like this. So what is, you know, I know you kind of took us through these specific games, but is this something you find yourself doing a lot of this year, or is this just kind of the perfect storm this particular week? Well, I mean, this is, this is one of the perfect setups for it, but I I'm always interested in teasers. I, I tease a lot of things. So I'll give you the rules real quick here. What you really want to do is you want to try to get numbers that you're either bringing up through the three and seven or down through the three and the seven. Because anytime you can get through those key numbers, those are the numbers that games end up on the most, which is why you see a lot of spreads that are minus three, minus seven, or numbers that are right around there. So anytime you can get up to getting those numbers on your side where they wouldn't have been if you took the team straight up, you're looking to do it. And that's the case in both of these by bringing Cincy from one and a half up to seven and a half and from bringing the Chargers from eight and a half down to two and a half. The only other rule I'll tell you is you never want to cross the zero with this because you're basically giving up value with it. The amount of Mm -hmm. times that the numbers would land there, it's not often enough for you to do it. So you want to take numbers that you could tease up through three and seven or down through seven and three, and you never want to cross the zero. Those are the two big rules for you when you're uh, playing these teasers. Don't cross the zero and don't cross the streams. That's good advice for just life in general there. I think we can all agree on that. So uh, last one here, let's do fourth down with Benny here. Let's talk about my new England Patriots, uh, two and a half point favorites on the road against the Texans, but this line has moved and the Texans obviously terrible against the run this year. Cam Newton 
uh, is a rushing quarterback. Last time I checked, Damian Harris is third 100 yard game of the season. I've been waiting on Harris. I've held him in every league. I had him in. He's starting to pay off. This line has moved. So take me through this, Benny. Why did this line move from the one to the two and a half? And if so, how do you feel about it? Yeah, well, I mean, it moves because the Patriots actually looked good on Monday night when they, uh, you know, when they played against the Rams. Was that Monday or Sunday? I forget. What it was. Time. It was Sunday night football in the rain. There you go. <laughs> Sunday night, the the look ahead line going into this game actually had the Patriots getting a point, and then after they went ahead and you know played Baltimore and played them well and wound up winning that game, it moved to them getting a point to them giving two and a half on the road right here. Mm-hmm. So that's really interesting. I got to be honest, the Patriots, and I've said this since the beginning of the season, they have been one of the toughest teams for me to nail down because coaching wise, you know, they're always going to be in games, right? So there's you know, there's never a reason for you not to think the Patriots could wind up winning a game, but they're also not a team that is consistent enough for me this year with Cam for me to think that they're really good. I think he's over the COVID thing. I think they're back to being the good Patriots we saw the first couple weeks of the season. But Joe, this is your favorite team here, man. What do you think? Am I betting on the Patriots here? <sighs> Getting le- I'm giving less than a field goal? Like to me, that seems like a pretty decent bet. It does to me too. Uh, I begrudgingly agree. And I am with you too. They've been very difficult to gauge on a week to week basis, but I think that Houston's inability here to stop the run at all. And this is what they want to do with Burkhead. This is what they want to do with cams is what they want to do with Damian Harris. The identity of this football team should always be in play defense, run the football. They were kind of getting away from that. They don't have a lot of playmakers. So this is how they have to win football games. I think the Texans are a mess. Benny, thank God for you. We're happy to have you. Go check him out on Fade the Noise. And also follow him on Twitter at BennyR11. That'll do it for Benny. Stick around. More fantasy sports today right here on Sports Grid. right after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. We'll hear from Dr. David Chow on injuries coming up. So those of you who are getting ready to make your moves on the waiver wire in fantasy football... This time is for you here on this Wednesday. And Joe, uh, running back has been really tough to navigate through all season long. But uh, let's let's dive in again and see if we can find any diamonds in the rough this week in fantasy football. We'll start off with the Giants and Wayne Gallman, who seems to score every week. So if he's still available on the wire, wouldn't be a bad pickup and add for sure. Card, uh, the uh, Indianapolis Colts have used a lot of different running backs at different times. Wilkins. Taylor, Hines, Hines at 41%. Cam Akers looked good early on in the game last week for the Rams, but then anytime they got near the goal line, it was either Malcolm Brown or Henderson. He's 26% owned. Rex Burkhead continues to score touchdowns for New England. He's 24%. Kalen Balaj of the Chargers at 19% could be a one-week deal with Eckler due back next week. And then Salvan Ahmed of Miami, 6% owned, and he looked pretty good as well last week, although Gaskin is due back again next week too. So a lot of these players, Joe, are one-week type situations and fixes, but a lot of teams only need to win one week. So that's the way that we look at a running back this week. Well, we're down to the nitty-gritty right now. So winning the next two weeks is the difference between making or not making the playoffs. Uh, Wayne Gallum is probably the best in terms of the long-term options here. And uh, if you look ahead in the schedule, the Giants actually have some pretty decent matchups as you get 
into the fantasy playoffs. And Gallman was a guy that we talked about when he first got that shot a couple weeks ago when Devontae Freeman was out, and you saw a little bit more of him, and he looked good running the football. And, look, he's a little touchdown dependent right now, but at this point, like you're saying, Craig, running back has been so difficult to constantly get guys out there every single week and looking for flex options. And as long as Wayne Gallman continues to be the featured back with the Giants, He's going to be useful. Daniel Jones ends up eating into his, some of his carries as well. He's been very effective running the ball in the last few weeks. I expect that trend to continue. But Wayne Gallman's still a useful piece, too. And it's funny because he is still out there in half of all leagues, which I think is kind of surprising considering how bad running back has been. Damian Harris is only a couple percentage points more rostered than him. Another guy with a great matchup. He didn't make the graphic. My goodness, what a matchup he's got this week against the Texans, who give up a ton of yards on the ground. Hines seems like a guy in PPR that should be owned at this point. 60% of leagues, he's still available. I don't know how that could possibly be the case. And I think as far as Cam Akers goes, Craig, for me, Cam Akers is a guy right now that I was shocked that he is still available in 75% of leagues. And I think if you have either Malcolm Brown or Daryl Henderson, it is a must attach or handcuff or whatever you want to call it going forward just in case because that snap count has changed a little bit and we're going to talk a little bit more tomorrow about Daryl Henderson and how that affects him but for today Cam Akers is a guy that I would be throwing some free agent budget if you have any left just to kind of cover yourself for insurance policies and also for the opportunity where perhaps as we get into December, he does get a little bit more action because it seems like that's happening. Burkhead has a great matchup this week. Another guy who has been really kind of under the radar. When we talk about guys, Craig, that are under the radar in fantasy this year, Rex Burkhead's got to be one of those guys. He's had some really impactful games, maybe not the steadiest of game logs, but my goodness, the dude has showed up without a doubt. Kalen Balaj is a guy I can't get super excited about. Eckler is probably uh, returning pretty soon. And same thing with Ahmed. He, he's in another situation where what is it now with him, with Gaskin? How do you kind of maneuver through those things? Because I thought he looked pretty good in that game. Do you think you're going to see him continue to get used even with Gaskin returning? He could, and they cut Jordan Howard. So I would say that yeah. he's the next guy up for sure. And so Ahmed, I think, is pick up a bolt. If that is a word, and and also I, I want to mention, now. you just made it a word. That's the, and okay. and Jordan Howard was the good. goal and line also guy. Somebody who's not here who really should be too, and and because he had a bye week last week, he wasn't mentioned. But if they're th this is the week basically to see if the Jets are going to play Lamichael Pirine. I mean, this is it, and and I would and I would pick him up to take a shot there because mm -hmm. we know that Frank Gore is still going to get the goal line carries, but and and I don't believe a lot of what the writers say for sure because again, there's different agendas there, and and they don't always know, but they are covering the team, and the Jets writer said that out of the bye that Pirine was going to play, so I would be interested in at least picking him up to see because that means some at least dump-offs from Joe Flacco, because Flacco is going to get the start again this week. So we'll see what happens there. All right, at wide receiver, it's uh, an interesting group here. Tim Patrick of Denver seems to get a little bit more playing time. I saw Hamilton got more involved in their game plan last week, too. Uh, Michael Pittman of the Indianapolis Colts was essentially the main target at wide receiver last week, and so we'll see if that continues. Now, Brashad Perriman is 8% owned, but there's a report today that says that he is not practicing, so we should probably scratch him off. I don't know how viable mm -hmm. he would be. Mims at 5% of the Jets. Josh Reynolds I did pick up in a fantasy league this morning. Jakeem Grant scored a touchdown for the Dolphins and almost scored a second one, so that may not be a bad add off the waiver wire this week. And then K.J. Hamler of Denver, if you trust Denver's offense, which I do not. So not, not a star-studded list, I think, of wide receivers, Joe. And then the one name that is also not here that I want to mention here at the top that I would plug and play for sure would be David Moore of, of the Seattle Seahawks. If for some mm -hmm. reason Tyler Lockett doesn't play this week, I think Moore is a must-play against Arizona. And 
uh, this guy can catch a 50-yard touchdown at any time. You would assume that a lot of the volume would go over to DK Metcalf, but I got to tell you, more being the second wide receiver there or even their rookie Swain who's played a little bit, the Seattle offense is dynamic. So those are two names also that if Lockett is out, I think I would add and play Thursday night against Arizona. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, Moore's been the home run hitter for them all year. You know, he doesn't always show up every week, but when he does, he's got that big play in the touchdown. He's going to get a little bit more volume even. Uh, I think that that is certainly worth recognizing and possibly adding. And the Cardinals in the secondary are actually pretty good. Kirkpatrick, uh, Buda Baker's had a great season here. Patrick Peterson's still around. He showed everybody last week, too. He had a big game. But the thing about that secondary is they're super aggressive, which means they do give up big plays sometimes. You saw that a little with Beasley and Diggs in certain moments in this game. You've seen it before with John Brown, too, uh, in that game last week. So I think what you're looking for in this one is that opportunity and obviously some volume. And David Moore kind of ticks all those boxes. So I actually think that's a really good add. And as far as the rest of the guys on this list, Pittman is the guy for me that I have the most attention on. He was the guy that had the biggest pedigree that they were really counting on this year. And just kind of like last week, you know, we talked about the Packers and the tough cornerback matchup. That tough corner is going to be on T.Y. Hilton now that T.Y. Hilton's back. And that is good news for Pittman because I think when you get to the second and third corners on Green Bay, it's a big difference in Jair Alexander. So I think Pittman has a lot of opportunity, not just in season long, but even in FanDuel this week. Uh, Keep an eye on the Perryman injury, too, because... This guy looked really good in the last few games with Flacco. Flacco was taking a lot of deep shots. So if he's not practicing the next two days, obviously that throws a wrench into any addition of him. Um, but also Mims becomes another guy then who could be even more valuable or the pivot move off there. Crowder's been very consistent all year. He's been banged up off and on all year. But Mims so far, kind of like Pittman, we've been waiting for this, guys, and we finally got them here. Uh, Jakeem Grant is always exciting to me, especially if you get return yards in your fantasy league at all. This is a guy that can kind of do all of that, and he can break that one where all of a sudden he's running 75 yards for a touchdown on a kick return. Uh, I think that's a guy I will keep an eye on, too. He was using the red zone last week with Tua, so keep an eye on that because without Preston Williams, there's some opportunity there. And then the guys in Denver, too, K.J. Hamler, Deshaun Hamilton, Tim Patrick. These are guys you can possibly stream this week. Again, the injury to you know Drew Locke is concerning, but of all the guys on that list, to me, I think Pittman is the one that has the best potential to help you for the next few weeks. But I think starting this week, he's a viable option as well, Craig. All right, let's go over to the tight ends and quarterbacks as we close out our waiver wire for this Wednesday. Logan Thomas of Washington, a little bit of a disappointment, and and we'll kind of see how they move their tight ends moving forward, but we know that Alex Smith does like to throw to the tight ends. He's on this list too. Uh, Jordan Reed at 19% owned. Tua Tagovailoa of the Miami Dolphins, you would think has a pretty good matchup this weekend against the Denver Broncos. Could be a one and done, who knows, but they still have somewhat of a soft schedule the rest of the year. I think they have a shot at the playoffs too, so maybe Tua runs in a touchdown or two, throws for a touchdown. Alex Smith is 5% owned coming off his game last week, and then of course, I think that many will pick up Jameis Winston of New Orleans. Uh, I I gotta tell you, I think that Winston will have a better week than he had last week. It was unexpected for him coming off the bench and have to play. They actually used Taysom Hill a little bit more. And and maybe he will blow up the Atlanta Falcons this week. It it is possible. In the past, we've seen some huge weeks from him in fantasy. Uh, I I mean, people rode him to championships, throwing for 400 yards, four (laughs) touchdowns, two interceptions. But he did not look good at all when he came into the game last week. And I'm guessing it's because of no practice with the first team. And I'm willing to scrap it all. But I have a little caution with Winston. I have to say, I have a little caution because he was just overthrowing everyone. Like, it just wasn't Mm -hmm. particularly close. And my concern would be, if Winston does start, 
what happens if he doesn't play well in the first half? Do they just exclusively go to Hill? I could see that happening. So I know he's a hot ad, but I think that there is a basically high reward with him starting, but there's also a very low floor, which would be a benching and not seeing the guy again. Remember, he didn't get offered a starting gig anywhere in the NFL. So that would be my concern. I think that I would jump on Tua for a one-week situation over Winston. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. I think there's a lot more risk with Winston, and that's why he's on the list here to talk about because he is the hot ad. A lot of people are looking at this, and the matchup certainly looks like a good one on paper. He's had some good performances against the Falcons before in his career. And and this is one of those spots where, again, you look at the data and it says, okay, this is a good play. But you're right. He did not look sharp in this past week when he had to kind of take over the reins. And one would hope and think that timing issues and things like that with a full week of practice with the ones would give you that. But you also have to take into account, too, even if he does play well, how many snaps is he going to miss or not be on the field for for the plays that they want to get Taysom Hill involved? It is going to be almost like a quarterback by committee, I would imagine. And I'm not confident in necessarily either of these guys getting every snap at the quarterback position. And I think probably a mixture of the two of them is what you're going to see. And like you're talking about the downside and the low floor, you have to understand the mistake-prone Jameis Winston that exists so for all the big potential yardage and the big potential plays and hey it's really exciting you're adding him with Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas is healthy again and and Cook is a viable tight end you have Emmanuel Sanders you have all these weapons and it makes a lot of sense and you got a great matchup against Atlanta but that doesn't mean Winston is all of a sudden mistake proof it doesn't mean Winston can't cost you points and you have to keep this in mind too and this is something that I always started to drive home to people last year with Winston also as great as those numbers are He's basically cutting his nose despite his face because when he turned the ball over, he was ending drives, stopping drives where he could have had more fantasy points, more touchdown passes, all of that stuff. And that really comes to roost. And especially with this defense, too. You know, the Tampa defense, very good. The Orleans defense been up and down, <laughs> I would say, the last year and a half. They have really been spotty, whereas the Tampa unit, even last year, played pretty well, but they had a lot of pressure on them. Why? Because Winston kept putting a lot of pressure on them in those situations. I think that Tua is certainly the better pickup of the two. If you're trying to stream a quarterback this week, if you have a buy situation, I think Winston's also going to be very highly owned on FanDuel this week, and I don't know if that's necessarily the best thing. In fact, I like the pivot move of going to min-salary tight end Taysom Hill and playing him instead because he's going to get opportunities in the red zone. He's going to get an opportunity at some point probably to rush for a touchdown or something close to it. So that's the kind of sneaky play to me that's more interesting than necessarily paying for Jameis Winston, who is more expensive as a quarterback than Hill is as a tight end. Yeah, and that was going to be my follow-up. I mean, I don't think that Taysom Hill is sneaky at all. I think that he should be started in every fantasy league at tight end this week without a doubt. He's a top 12 tight end. He's probably a top 10 tight end. (laughs) <laughs> and he's going to get involved in the game. He's probably going to throw a touchdown pass in this game. He's probably going to rush for a touchdown pass in this game. And if you can get Hill to qualify a tight end in your fantasy league, I, I mean, I, I don't think I can name five guys. Maybe I can, but I, I don't think I can name a lot more than that that I would start over him. I would definitely start him in virtually every fantasy league that I possibly could. If I have Darren Waller, yeah, I'm probably starting him over him. Yeah, but. I mean, are there too many others that I would? Maybe I think Kelsey? you could look. I could. I could tell you right now. If you, if you are at the bottom end of tight end and guys like Schultz, you know, who have been up and down since you know Dak Prescott hasn't been able to. I start over Hill over Schultz for sure. I would start Hill over Schultz. I would start Hill over Aikens or Fells or those guys that we stream. I wouldn't start him over Johnny Smith necessarily, but I think you make a really good case too. What if you're the Evan Ingram? Owner I would start him over Johnny Smith. I start him over Dallas Goddard. I think we. I think the two names. 
or, or Waller and Kelsey. I haven't heard a name yet that I, that I, outside of those two. I'm sure I'm. Missing. I don't think I'd start him over Hawkinson either. I think Hawkinson's been pretty solid. You want to keep him in there too. Hey, fourth Maybe. overall tight end PPR points. <laughs> I'll be curious to see how high he scores this week. All right, we'll have some fantasy trivia next. Go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We mentioned Drew Brees of the New Orleans Saints. NFL Network is reporting that it looks like he'll be out for two weeks. So that means either two weeks of Winston, two weeks of Taysom Hill, or maybe even two weeks of both. Regardless of that, we'll keep updating you. And coming up in a little bit, Dr. David Chow will weigh in on his thoughts on Breeze's injuries. But for now, let's turn it over to Joe. we got some fantasy trivia to end the show. Joe? Well, stepping into the role of sometimes great and then sometimes non-existent wide receiver in Minnesota, yes, that was the role vacated by Stefan Diggs this offseason as he moved to Buffalo. Justin Jefferson has stepped up and become that. He had his fourth, that's right, fourth 100-yard receiving game in that tied a Vikings record for rookies, who was the other guy, Craig Mish, of the Minnesota Vikings that had four 100-yard games as a rookie wide receiver? Well, if it's not Randy Moss, then then it's it, it, Randy Moss would be too easy. So I'm going to go with Stephon Diggs. I was hoping that you wouldn't outthink yourself, but you did it here. I put this out there, and I thought this was the gimme to get you back on track. And instead, you, um, you outthought yourself. It was Randy Moss. You went with Stephon. Okay. It was Randy Moss. It was Randy that Moss. That was too easy. Was Randy, Randy Moss. Moss. Yeah. And you know what? I said, this is too easy. And then I thought, but then again, Craig might overthink this and say, no, he doesn't trust That's me. That's what it was. I overthought it for sure. You, mm-hmm. you, I, I'm giving you a layup here. I was trying to get you back into the 500 category with a layup one. But it it, it kind of bring up the, the fact of, isn't it amazing that basically Justin Jefferson's productivity game log wise looks exactly like Stephon Diggs last year where he'd have 100 yard games or big fat goose eggs? I mean, that's kind of an incredible yeah. thing when you think about it, that it just can't seem to all coexist at the same time in this offense. And Jefferson's having a great season. This is another big game for him, but it's unfortunate because the up and down game log, I think, kind of is they end up shutting him out of the rookie of the year conversation, especially with the three big quarterbacks and how well they've played. But he's had a pretty good fantasy year, I think. And a lot of people were surprised uh, about how good he's been. Yeah. I remember that season. I think it was Moss with Culpepper. And I had both those guys that fantasy season. That was a great year for me. (laughs) I wish I could go back to that year for sure. Wasn't it Randall Cunningham the first year? Was it the first year? I thought it was, uh, I I thought it was, we uh, have to go. I'm, I'm I'm wondering myself now, was Culpepper there with Randy Moss in the rookie season, or was it still Randall? Hmm, I might have to go research that at the break. Teaser. All right, we'll be right back. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 